everyone, and welcome to Renfield's Cast, the Mighty Ducks of Retro RPGs. I'm Robin Zink, and with me today is Oliver Kello. How you doing, Ollie? Very nice to meet you, Robin. I'm doing very mm. nice, nicely. Yeah, yeah. nice, yeah. nice. You know what else is very nice? Today's sponsor. Sponsoring us today, it's not a sponsor. They don't even know this is a thing. I just... Look, it just has to... This is just how podcasts begin. The covert backdoor sponsor. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Whether they like it or not. Today's sneaky backdoor sponsor is The Sleeping Place of the Feathered Swine, a horrible cave by Logan Knight. You can pick this thing up on DriveThruRPG for, I think, free. I'm just going to read you the dedication on it. It reads, With thanks to the love of my life, Rosie Turner. You were dragged into a hole where your nose was torn off and infested with microscopic parasitic worms. They pulled you out and set your face on fire to try and burn it out. You hemorrhaged to death due to incompetent medical attention, and they left you to rot in a terrible cave. I'll love you forever. Oh my god. Oh my god. I wanted to talk about denosification. Oh, this is yeah. so pertinent. Great. Well, I, I selected Feathered Swine as a secret backdoor sponsor today because it is one of my two favorite postulant adventures. And apparently today we're talking about diseases. Mm-hmm. And uh, congratulations of apparently ridding yourself of your um, multitude of diseases, Robin. Back on track. Yeah, that's disease in the real world. It's really sad that it wasn't one of those easily curable diseases like a guinea worm or a, a, a parasitic leech. I mean, there's so much, you know, you just burn it off, you uh, apply salt, you know, they're just easy, you know. Yeah. Have, have you been reading about some diseases that you'd like to tell us all about? Uh, I have been reading about a few diseases. I don't really know where to start. Uh, D&D, especially vanilla D&D, I found prefers like immediate effects. It's not so much about the creeping horror, you know, it just wants like you lose a stat, you lose some health. So all of their like disease or um, plagues or conditions or whatever, they're always like the best one I found was like a rot grub, which they make you root through feces to look for the shiny thing. And while you're rooting around in, in the pile of feces, you find rot grubs, which just burrow into your arm and it takes... I think you have three turns to uh, find it and burn it or cast cure or something before it burrows into your heart and you die. So it's just like a bitch DM thing and it still only takes three rounds where I think diseases, there's an element of time and wasting and like sort of knowing you have it and not being able to do anything about it and so on. Like that's very interesting to me. Yeah, I've definitely had a at least one character fail a fortitude save to a some horrible thing which should have killed them within three days, which was then forgotten about by everybody. Yes, and then by yep. the time I remembered, it was yep. like, oh, three sessions shit. later. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's yeah. Well, that's that that window is closed. Yeah, or, or just willful. Um, I wallowed in one of my characters. I should say wallowed in um was it manticore shit one time and i kept you kept asking me to roll saves and i was completely fine with it and i didn't even question it for some reason i think i was really excited to be alive i don't know do you remember this like it was in a big pit and we arrived in the bottom and they'd been throwing things to the harpies and i was totally cool with it didn't question it at all and then was surprised like five rounds later 
when my face erupted and I turned into a harpy or something, and I think uh, murdered everybody. It was pretty bad. That was at the bottom of a harpy pit from uh, I don't remember this move. dot blogspot. dot com. Right. Shout out to the Donkey Haltons. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was very exciting. As a player, like, I know the rules, and I should have thought it was suspicious that, like, every action I did, you were making me roll, and I kept succeeding, and just being like, well, whatever. Um, yeah, so that was good. And so that was, yeah, I guess that happened pretty fast. But yeah, I, li- I like the, the drawn-out kind of illness, and also the, um, uh, how, do, how do you say, like, the ablation, the long-term, like, grinding down of characters where they're covered in boils, and they know it, or, like, they're losing a limb, but they're gonna hang in there for a while. That's... That's pretty fun, I guess, depending on how you play. Um. <laughs> that is how we play. I don't know. I was kind of surprised that you were so excited about diseases before this cast, actually. You were generally not on the side of basically any kind of upkeep, whether that be rations or water or torches or whatever and it seems like most disease is true so well you're right i am worried about the um yeah the mechanical like the application of it in the game like mechanically speaking does bother me a bit and i think that's why it's not very popular like i opened with the dnd doesn't really do it because it's not easy to keep track of and no one wants to be a wasted wreck of a human being however i do like horribly disfiguring characters and making them live with it if you can give them make them toothless or like give them plants growing out of their like stomach that's fantastic and watch them try and live with it and restore themselves to their former glory so i'm more into the perverse (laughs) um like think of it rather than the actual application and yeah some of the language used to describe it is fantastic and the history of it even in real life is just so unmissably awesomely fantasy call back to the skeleton episode where we got really mired down in in humors um i'll be talking about that later i think i think one of the first things i ever read about diseases that got me really into it. i've always been into swamp settings i have this huge content folder just full of pale pink things that i want to put in swamps um and one that uh, i believe i looted from you while i was around ages ago was uh the blasted swamp by jack is it really McNamee? <laughs> That's a cool yeah, name. Yeah, I believe so. And uh, I've got here illustrated by Matthew Rundle and uh, art by Brendan Klump. Uh, so basically it's a big hex map with a couple of different areas. It's all in a sort of a swamp setting. But my favorite is Insect Hell. And uh, he's got some great descriptors for diseases. Um, Basically, it's the usual where you lose stamina or strength or vomit blood and take 1d8 damage, but the descriptions are really, really, really good. So, like, you'll shit out your own intestines and insects will chew out your tongue and replace it with a buzzing swarm of insects that speak for you or impregnate you, so you just give birth to a giant weevil. Stuff like that. Um, These insects will get up in your junk which, yeah, some of it's really Baroque language and some of it is just all up in your junk, which I like. Um, also, good mental effects. I like um, roleplay effects where it's not statistical. It's more of a, like, you think all of your friends are infested with insects, you have to get them out kind of deals as well, where mm-hmm. as, a, as a DM, you can secret message or pass a note to a player and tell them that they're inflicted with horrible paranoia. 
and watching them try and play that out, whether they enjoy it or not, is interesting because some people will mitigate it as much as possible. Other people will jump yeah. immediately try and set a death trap. So I enjoy that as a kind of um, social... <laughs> I think one of the most gameable variations on the psychotic illusions thing that I've ever seen is the person who is insane is super paranoid, so they always go first, right? They're always first on whatever ah. initiative track you're, you're working. So you describe the encounter or whatever, and then after they've gone, there may or there may not be an alteration to explain to everybody else what is actually happening so you walk into a room and see like three trolls feasting at a table they ready their weapons to attack and then the one psycho charges at them and then they were just nice old ladies in the middle of the dungeon or whatever i don't know ah because that's another thing i was thinking about with the hallucination paranoia type thing where you can do things as a DM where tell that guy that there is a, a bandit looming out of the dark over their friend across the campfire so he'll leap at them with a sword and then later yeah. you say that was a hallucination, oops. Is that what yeah. you mean? Or, um, yeah, it, it's yeah. basically that. It just makes it easy to do rather than dragging someone aside every time. They know that they're crazy and willing to take it. They can intentionally not trust anything and wait until their friends have confirmed it, like beautiful mind style or whatever, but it won't happen every time. So that would just be them cowering in fear from the real world time after time. Yeah, I don't know. Of all the, like, delusion, you see something, you see something else mechanics I've ever seen, that one seemed to have the most leg. Yeah, so what else have we got in the swamp? There's just a lot of insect-based stuff, and there's all kinds of other areas. There's the psychedelic bog and the mangrove forest, which has similar things. Mostly the monsters change, and the disease is kind of ever-present, and you just roll it with encounters, or if you're ever dunked in the water or have to drink it. The Blasted Swamp makes me so excited, man. It's such a strange thing, because the swamp is always the worst level in a video game. Like, every fucking time. Like, they always have a swamp, and it's like, you take poison damage, and you're at, like, half movement, and it fucking sucks, and there's no terrain, there's just bog. But somehow, the Blasted Swamp is the only excellent swamp. I think it's because you get a lot more into, like, the lore as in L-O-R-E and the NPCs because there's a lot of them in this and all the animals and you can kind of describe it when you're not just slogging through a swamp, I mean. And also the paranoia, like, the that sort of werewolf-style gameplay of, like, well, I know I've got a tapeworm in my belly and I don't know what my friends have infected each other with and, like, there's a voodoo priest trying to sell us all cures or play us a poker game to get out of here or like that that kind of stuff doesn't come off well in computer games often because text and voice acting and time and making players actually play the same thing for three hours when they just want to get out of the swamp level um yeah so i think that's it like that paranoia is really hard to get over in video games i think yeah totally i I think diseases also are i don't know there's a ick factor there that you need the, the body, visceral dis- body horror yeah, like the yeah. bar- body horror i think it's actually mentioned in the readout for the dnd the um uh what were they called rotworm i was talking about the fact that a player character sorry a player will have no problem making their character dig through shit for like 20 bucks 
right? Like just dive headfirst into a mountain of feces, which like as a real person or like a imagine imagine you're LARPing and there's just a pile of horse manure and they're like, you have there's fucking Excalibur at the bottom of that, but you didn't bring a shovel, so you're just digging face first, like that kind of thing. <laughs> and it's almost um it's almost implementing that like, well, if I can't make you feel disgusted, I'm gonna make something horrifically visceral happen to you as a character that will make you regret that decision. I guess it's a bit of an asshole DM thing for sure, but like you want them to be invested in how just just how disgusting like swamps and the Middle Ages and disease in general is. Maybe we should talk about Bergs and Bailiffs, which is another thing I bring up a lot. We've got two chapters here, Pestilence and Putrescence, and Leeches, Clysters, and a Hole in the Head, Old School Medicine for Grimmer Games. They are so perfect because the way it's written, it does draw from history mostly, but they never define where they've left history and just started into lol fantasy, like, <laughs> which is great. I've read a lot about ancient medicine. I, I think it's hilarious. Like all the humor system and my, their miasma theory of disease. Like, so after reading about the humors and stuff, while I was waiting today, I wrote like a rant. Um, so <laughs> talking about like, you have these humors, so you've got blood, phlegm, black bile, and yellow bile, and then there's miasmas and the ether, which came later, and uh, clysters, uh, like medical enemas. Barber surgeons were basically like veterinarian barbers who did all the like low medicines, so cutting you open, fixing bones. They were like the plumbers of the human body, whereas um, all the educated, the clergy and the court physicians were more about like it was much more mystical practice so they were alchemists they were leaching and draining blood um mm. using things like hemlock in as a like anesthetic they're like if we almost kill you you can't scream as much therefore it's easier for us um so they would use bloodletting as anesthetic as well just like if you have no blood then you're too lethargic to scream in pain and writhe around which is probably a good thing so things like black bile is, uh, that would be diarrhea. Yellow bile is things like vomit and phlegm is its own thing. And then blood is pretty self-explanatory. Would you, would you like to share with us your latest dungeon puzzle? I'd really love to hear it. So um, I, don't know, I started thinking about this world where it's sort of like a Crusades era. So like maybe you have a sort of Christ analog going on and some holy wars and maybe the... Uh, the death of Christ was kind of like the marking point of magic fading from the world. So now they're starting up with these alchemical early medieval medicine arts. Um, and I think that'd be a really fun world to play in. So you have dungeon puzzles. You know how you always have to pour in like the, the holy water into the chalice to open the door or the blood of a virgin. This one is just, you've got your paladin shitting in one corner to bring the black bile and you know, your, your rogue is vomiting in a chalice to get the yellow bile and then you have to, no one has the flu, so you have to run out and, like, kidnap a, like, pilgrim who's got mucus running down his face. And then he'll probably provide the blood as well, let's be honest. Yeah, so you pour all your, your humours into the chalices and the door rumbles open to give you, I don't know, the uh, hospitalier, like, holy grail cure for gunshot wounds or something. Um, Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I like... I, li I like this idea of a, a world where, like, magic's slowly dying out so you can't cast cure anymore, so they're scrambling to find a theory of medicine. Also, the um, double-sidedness of, of um, medicine and quacks. You'd have these travelling 
physicians and quite often they were just scam artists because they could control people so well especially the mad and like infirm apparently like the old slap your thighs like classic was like trepanning so you find a crazy person or someone who has swelling on the brain and uh you cut a hole in their head and usually you'd use sleight of hand produce like a i think a water chestnut was the classic because it's a fleshy white bulb or um, a pig's liver or whatever, and say, like, this has caused the madness. And while they're insensible, you take your payment and say they're cured and run off as you've just cut an open hole in their head and then just run off. (laughs) You've lost enough blood and someone's been poking at your brain. So you're just sort of lobotomized for a few days. And by the time you've recovered the strength to be like, um, did that guy just take all our money and leave? He's, like, off somewhere else. Which is really good. Um, (laughs) And this idea that you, at any one time, you don't know if they're a quack or a surgeon who actually cares. And even if you do, half the medicines would, like, switch it around and, like, actually hurt you. Like, uh, there's this table in Bergs and Bailiffs. It's three pages long. And you must endure the side effect before the treatment kicks in. So if you're almost dead and the treatment makes you vomit blood and you die, you, you don't get treated. You're dead. You roll on the table and it tells you how much it harmed you before it healed you and what weird things you have to deal with. They range from things like flatulence to um, losing digits or your nose, which uh, you mentioned before. I I really like characters without noses. I mean, apart from Voldemort, it's much more hideous in real life if the rest of their face is normal and they just don't have a nose. The nose is so obvious and disgusting and weird and it'd be dribbling snot and that is so repulsive. Anyway, I think I'm just going to have to... I'm going to have to post this table because I can't read it all. Like, an enema including several obviously still alive aquatic creatures, tadpoles, fish, worms, or crayfish. Um, <laughs> and side effects, no refunds. Ex- extreme flatulence for D3 days. Uh, small fire is lit on the skin with chemicals and then covered in a glass jar. Chug two liters of cow urine. Man, I was so unexcited about talking about diseases. And I think you've infected me because I've suddenly (laughs) just had this epiphany of going, wait a second, playing a campaign where all the characters were medieval doctors and the great affliction upon the land was a Black Death-style plague, murder hoboing from town to town and... I don't know, all the cool shit that you could get up to. Well, and there's all this cool politics, like, so as I said, there's there's the quacks, there's the surgeons, often holy men, and then there's the physicians, and they've all got different aims, so, and the quacks are sort of evil, but might accidentally help you, or, um, you know, like, they might, uh, what was the one I wrote, so, like, uh, free trepanning to fix the mentally unstable, but only if they can keep the circle of curved bone bored out of your skull, um, he's hired, but he only immobilizes you via heavy bloodletting, produces a frog's liver from the hole via sleight of hand, declares you fixed and leaves with your money. You can hear God better now, though, and you can feel the circle of bone over the horizon, like, sort of like, they're fucking with you, but they accidentally help you, or like, he's trying to, like, paralyze your face muscles, but instead nicks the wrong nerve, and now you're like can't feel pain or something like just like they didn't know what they were doing and like one poultice might actually help your bladder infection but they were actually trying to treat the wound like um (laughs) and disease was so um 
prevalent. Like it was just everywhere. It was an everyday thing. Like everyone had boils. Yeah, I like the idea of disease as a setting and disease as a villain because it's still the most terrifying thing i don't know i can't remember how many years overdue we are for a pandemic but all the medical professionals who talk about that stuff are like oh god <laughs> when this hits it's <laughs> i think we're slowly killing and out all the um penicillins and so on yeah 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 all of the and all the paranoia and just in games even as well how um pandemic the board game is just a modern game about going around the world and trying to cure misc diseases and that thing is so popular the idea of taking that to a fantasy setting and the big bad dickhead like the the mark that you feel upon the world is just that 60 percent of the population is dead or dying and you're going from town to town with your creepy bird mask filled with noxious incense i guess some um, religion is really embroiled in it as well um because mm. a this shit's happening to everyone and you don't have germ theory you don't know how these things happen so you're clearly like, well, God did it. I think in a properly disease-centered fantasy campaign, you would have to kill off the clerics, though. Any religious person could not be a proper ye old detect poison and disease at first level. Well, that's why I'd, I'd definitely put it in a place that has recently lost magic or has very weak magic, so you can do, still have creepy artifacts and relics and stuff like that. But yeah, it's definitely got to be. And like, just make, maybe make medicine more effective because it actually pulls magic back into the world a bit. Or maybe, maybe that's another divide. So you can choose to go to the barber veterinarian and get a good old fashioned working man's medical thing. And that'll give you health and scarring. Or you can go to the physician and he's going to whisper Vedic teachings and etch Kabbalistic designs on your back and pour mercury in it and then reroute your bile ducts while flooding you in godly miasmas i think that possibly diseases aren't used very much because there's this very appealing fantasy alternative which is a curse like in a lot of oh, ways i didn't even think of that yeah because like curses are a lot of fun in games but it's a lot easier to meld them into an epic story and to make them gameable like a, a good proper witchy curse can cover all the bases that a disease can but also can shape the game in certain ways whereas like diseases often just boil down to you feel wretched you're not doing shit today yeah i was having trouble with the like um you know the surgery might have cool or bad side effects like damaging nerves and so on but i kind of run out of things after like nerve damage in various places yeah um yeah. you know which i think like as shit that's happening to players it's like bad and it can fuck them up but i i know i i keep coming back to my thing of it being set dressing but that's where you really get to use all the ghastliness of it to its full effect and it's just like every fucking fantasy campaign has like the land is under a curse like no a curse <laughs> is just like a vague black mist of particle physics that can fuck off but like a disease oh god like i mean nurgle is the best um, oh, tell me more about the best Nurgle. Lord of Chaos. See, I haven't read a lot of Warhammer lore. Can you tell me a bit about Nurgle? I know of him. I think he's awesome. Big fat frogman from Warhammer. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what, what's what's his deal, dealio? What's he so, up to? 
Nurgle is the prince of disease, and his thing is that he's the jolly grandfather of every pestilent infection on the earth. Ah, wow, so there's an energy to it. It's not malaise, it's like a malicious... Yeah, really happy and, like, chuckling as they cut you open with rusty blades. I'm thinking of the scene where um, Jabba the Hutt's laughing, where he goes, oh, 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 on that, like, barge thing. Yeah, because especially all the other three chaos gods take themselves way too seriously. Big fan of chaos, but yeah, when they're all, like, malevolent and stuff, you're like, yeah, you're planning this. You've got, like, too much PR going on to be that evil, stupid, sad, gothic motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, something where the so-called agents of chaos are the most codified and organized and like consistent across the fantasy and 40k fucking chaos um, marines. mythologies. It's it, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just like they're they're divided into their neat factions and color coded. The Warhammer the Warhammer fiction just because it's been left to like fester. The, the, i think i don't know it's just like been le- yeah it's been left to fester the like it sometimes seems like they just got these amazing artists and we're like okay we need a really strong reason why everybody is trying to kill everybody else all the time and that is what is happening and then go for your life to make the weirdest most individual stuff that you can and then we will turn it into tiny plastic men um <laughs> Cool. Um, okay, so Nurgle, I mean, so I don't understand, is there a 40k race that is just a bunch of Nurgles, or is he a god that they can, um, like, are there demon? are there straight up demons? There is, like, a demon faction. Oh, shit, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, oh, they've got the models for the plague bearers mm, are sick enough, and then their steeds are like these bloated fly things that are absolutely <laughs> gigantic. I haven't bought a Warhammer model in a long time, <sighs> but about 14, they yeah. are coming out with some ridiculous things these days. God, I bet that um, technology's changed a heap, hey? Like yeah, mod- modeling yeah. those tiny little things. Yeah, you can really tell from like how they manage to fill out a plastic sprue. They can get so much more in and so much more detail, and then that's allowed them to do these intense things with the modeling. Yeah, but I mean, the artifacts of what they produce are just really, they're they're really amazing um, things to look at. There's a series of articles that Patrick Stewart did on the appeal of miniatures as sculpture, and it's really interesting. Yeah, because I—that's why I collected. I probably I collected Warhammer for a couple of years in my teen years. Ah, uh, when I was ill, like in the depths of my fever delirium at like two a.m., I started writing a miniatures war game. Like I started planning it out. Will you? Will you play? Will you play this miniatures war game with me sometime? Um, what miniatures can we use? That's what I want to uh, do. Well, the, the the idea is that you can play any miniatures like yes. so all the factions will have to encompass all the tropes uh so that you can be anything but the the shtick behind it is is i want it to be like netrunner where it's a completely unbalanced thing so symmetrical one yeah. yeah so you know how generally in fantasy war game you line up your dudes on either side and then you just march them into one another you like have proper pitched battle tactics whatever those are but this one, one person is like the hegemony, 
They're the guys who control the In city. Control. Yeah. All the civilians are, are theirs. They they get to set up all the buildings and like the buildings um, are like things that they want and they put there. And then the other guys are the dickhead rebels who want to blow everything up and summon a mega gorgon in the middle of the town square. So rather than being a solid pitch battle, it would be weird skirmishes in the middle of the city that you'd like make as part of play rather than just. But what's are we talking board thing? game hex scale or Warhammer units? What was Va- um not Vaughnholm? What was the one you? kitted up on roll 20 and we played half a game of and it was awesome Mordheim. Oh, Mordheim. so Mordheim, Mordheim kind of street skirmish but like more asymmetrical yeah with one player being the law and the other one being the cult and since you know we'd have to make it playable with whatever miniatures or gi joes you happen to have lying around you could have the humans civilization and then maybe have some of them being like secret lizards <laughs> and then the cult who know about Ooh, the lizards like that's a they're, good one. They're, they're a ragtag band of whatever yeah. extra models you got yeah. together. So I'm assuming stealth yeah. is a big part of this. Or is it like a, a Warcraft 3 Heroes style thing? Where you... <laughs> okay, well, so here's where you can tell that I was ill when <laughs> I started planning this out. Because you play the whole game with a tarot deck. Um, yeah. You start the game with a draft, and rather than like having points which you assign to each unit, each unit is assigned to a certain type of tarot card. And then, so when you draft the game, like at the start, you'll have grids which one person will take from this small selection of tarot cards than the other person. And then your army list, rather than being like, I was allotted this numerical number of points and I took this number, you have to assign the units to their corresponding card and then you'll only get them if you manage to draft them so um, if you draw the hanging man or the whatever you have different abilities yeah yeah so because you don't start as like a pitch battle you bring in these cards to you have to play the relevant card to actually put the character on the ground and then you divide the play space up into a grid of nine squares like three by three and then all the pips from two to ten correspond to to one of those grids so it goes two three four five six seven eight nine ten and then when you play that card so I have a like seven of wands then I can play a wands unit in the seven square and then from thereafter just play any wands card to move a wands unit around kind of thing yeah <laughs> that so i was obviously unwell um, <laughs> the best place and uh, uh, yeah and i'm like physically separate like i'm stuck over in melbourne and shit with, and all the people that i want to play test this with are in perth <laughs> but fuck it i will put this together and then this is the long, long awaited webcam pointing at a card table game that <laughs> oh shit yeah yeah cool. that, uh, yeah that, that sounds it, it fantastic it really does. anyway that's that's a that's a big departure from diseases but oh no but the, is... the product of a diseased mind i think that fits, <laughs> fits well. um. yeah. <laughs> staying on topic yeah i and, um i'm 
I'm so excited to actually make this thing and make it a thing. Cool. Um, I love anything that has a tarot deck in it immediately, like skyrockets into awesome, in my opinion. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you've got to be careful. Like, tarot decks are so good to play games with. There's so many amazing games you can play with tarot. And then I've just gotten myself into so many dangerous conversations with weird mystics. Yes. That this is my this is my like dream like a, a fantasy I have of like going to a tarot reader and just being like give me those cards <laughs> we're gonna play <laughs> yeah. what's that really great one um you can play coup, coup with that's the tarot. one just, just yeah, turning it around that's... and being like fuck your shit <laughs> not that I have anything yeah, against tarot um... readers I just like the idea of turning the tables on them and being like you're in my world now <laughs> mm. all right I'm gonna give a brief shout out to our secret backdoor sponsor. And then we're going to get out of here. Ollie, would you like to hear about Sleeping Place of the Feathered Swine? Feathered Pigs. Sleeping Place of the Feathered Swine is about this weird pig that molts all its feathers off in the winter and goes and hibernates in this cave. And it's got this symbiotic leech worm thing and so while it's hibernating you can sneak into its cave and then if you're careful and precise about it pry out the worm tumors and then sell them to alchemists for megabucks but some dickheads went in there before you and mishandled the tumors and then the worms came out and then started boring their way into the brains of the idiots who broke the tumors and so Sleeping Place of the Feathered Swine is making your way through these moaning, diseased wrecks of ex-people who are now being controlled by brain worms to get to the swine to pop its tumors off and sell them back to an alchemist back in town for cash. Yeah. It's really good. It's a, it's a pay-what-you-want thing of over on RPG now, and it does a number of cool things, like it's... It's really nicely hyperlinked, really nicely illustrated. It's got a map which you can cut up and then lay out oh, for your cool. players as you go through the oh, cave. That's nice. So fog of um, war yeah. kind of thing. That's nice. It's it's big appeal. Is it this is like an introductory first level dungeon, but it's just like really nicely gross and macabre. And yeah, body I, body I, horror. And, and, and. Cool. That does sound worth checking out and I think I will. Alright. That's Renfield Cast. We're done. See you later. Happy festering, people.